Last week in my homily, which I'm sure is seared in all your memories, um, I talked about sloth, or acedia, as it's called, which is um, the fourth um, uh, deadly uh, sin, or the fourth capital vice, we might say. And at its heart, says St. Thomas Aquinas, a, a sloth is sadness at the presence of God. Sadness at the presence of God. And so because his presence causes sadness, we flee from him. We don't seek to draw closer to him. We fight against him. And talked about how it's important at times to, to push through that, to keep going. That in some way that's the only remedy, to persevere in that, that pursuit of holiness and of God's love. But today I want to take a, a, a very sort of different tack on, on suffering and relationship with God. So if sloth is about approaching God causing sadness, today I want to talk about sadness as causing us to approach God. And I want to talk about that in the context of St. Bernard of Clairvaux's four stages of love. So St. Bernard of Clairvaux, great uh, uh, abbot, lived about a thousand uh, years ago and an immensely holy man, doctor of the church. And he said, essentially, there are, there are four stages of love. And he says the first stage of love is love of oneself for one's own sake. I like me because, well, I am me, and I want me to be happy. Simple enough. And I think this comes out in, in the first reading and in the gospel. So in, in both readings, we're confronted by these uh, lepers. Uh, so there's the 10 lepers uh, that Jesus encountered, and then there's Naaman. And just a little background on, on the story here. Naaman is an Aramean uh, army general, very successful in battle. And, uh, but he's also a leper. And so even despite his, his wealth and authority, there's, there's a great amount of suffering involved in that. And there's a real desperation on the part of, of the people, the 11 lepers in these, in these stories. I think Naaman um, illustrates it at best. So he travels in, in the story from uh, where he lives over into Israel to go see uh, this prophet that he's heard about. And he heard about the prophet from a slave of his, a little a girl that he had kidnapped in one of his military exploits, an a Israelite girl. And she heard about Naaman's leprosy. And she said, oh, well, if he just went to Samaria and visited the holy man there, uh, he'd be fine. He'd be cured. And we know Naaman is desperate because this man took the word of this 10-year-old kidnapped girl and made this arduous journey to this foreign country uh, that he had hostile relations with previously in order to go be cured. And so it was, it was a big expense. I mean, travel, security, it, it's not easy. This is not, you know, oh, Southwest is having a want to get away sale. Click. It's, you you got to really want to go in his position. So he was desperate. And so the, the first move in these two stories is that God uses this suffering, this desperation, this loneliness on people's parts in order to draw them to himself. Now, I think it's, it's important to note that these things are not, in a sense, caused by God. The world that we live in is not the world 
as God originally intended it to be. It's a world that we have contributed to with, with sin and vice and evil. And yet God's goodness says, okay, I'm going to use this, what they have done, as another way to draw them back to me. I'm going to use their love of themselves to bring them towards me. And so that brings us to the second stage of love. And the second stage of love, says uh, St. Bernard, is to love God for our own sake. I love God because he does nice things to me. Makes me feel good. So I want to hang out with God because he makes me feel better about me, solves my problems, takes care of me. Isn't that nice of him? And, you know, and that's what happens in, in both these stories. Naaman goes to uh, Elisha the prophet and he's cured and the lepers are cured after encountering Jesus. And for Naaman and for one out of the ten lepers, what does it lead to? It leads to a love of God for their own sake. And that's not entirely a bad thing. So Naaman goes from worshiping false gods to saying, I'm going to worship the one true God. In fact, I'm going to take some of this two mule loads of this holy ground that I've been on here in Israel, and I'm going to take it back to my country so I can worship the one true God. So it's not a, it's not a, it's not a bad thing for Naaman to do that. You know, he's gone from false gods to the true one. Same thing with the leper who comes back to Jesus. He returned, glorifying God in a loud voice, and he fell at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. So I think it's, you know, the lesson here for us, I think one is, is to ask for things, you know, to bring the things that we need to the Lord, that he is someone who, in his goodness, wants to take the evil that he's not the cause of and use it to cause our holiness and our salvation. And I think there's a reluctance to... Uh, to do that in, in some ways. We're thinking that that's, well, that's not, it's not what authentic spirituality is about. There's a, a great little skit by the comedian uh, Jim Gaffigan. And he's a, he's a Catholic comedian. And he's got a bunch of kids. Um, he's four or five. I think he's up to six now. And, you know, anyway, he, he has this little routine. He says, yeah, you know, I'm walking around with all my kids. And people ask, oh, you get all those kids for religious reasons, right? He's like, well, not really. If anything, it's, it's the reverse, you know, because when you're walking through the mall and you lose a kid, atheist or not, you're talking to the big guy. Oh, God, I, I know we haven't talked in a while, probably since finals, since high school, but yeah, if you could help me find my kid, I'd really appreciate it, you know, and I'll change my life. I'll be better. Uh, I'll stop going to Wendy's. Oh, look, there he is. Never mind, God. <laughs> All right, we're off to Wendy's. Do, 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 do. Talk to you when I get cancer. <laughs> and there's something that Gaffigan recognizes that, like, there's something, something kind of wrong about this, you know, that we just, just call it out God only in the times when we desperately need him, you know. And there's something to that. There's something not quite right at remaining at stage two of love, where we lo love God only for our own sake. Now, the mistaken, there are two possible solutions. The wrong solution is to not ask God for things and to not think that he loves us and, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to bother him with my, with my problems. He's got bigger, bigger things to worry about, bigger fish to fry, bigger sinners to attend to. I, I'm not going to bother him. 
And that is, in fact, the wrong approach because uh, underlying that approach is, is the assumption or, or the premise that God doesn't care. God doesn't care about me, that he doesn't care about the things, big and little, that are going on in my life. Which would make him different than all the other people in your life who care about the little things. They care about, did you get the, that part in the school play in fourth grade? And, you know, mom was upset with you when you didn't get that, and she took you out for ice cream, you know? Um, or, you know, you, you, big family picnic coming up, and, and you, you want good weather, you know? And you're really bummed out because torrential downpour, lightning, hail, had to cancel the whole thing. You know, that's disappointing to us, and it's disappointing to the people who care about us. And if God cares about us, therefore, it should matter to him as well. So to think, I think it's important to believe that God cares about the little things. One of my favorite little stories about that is in the life of St. Therese of, of Lisieux, uh, a French uh, saint, nun, died at, at 24, um, right at the end of the 19th century. And she had this great confidence in, in God's love for her and always being with her in the little things. And so when she was making her, her first vows, she, she loved snow. She loved snow. Not a lot of it in France, um, but she was making her first vows. And she didn't pray for snow, but it was something she delighted in. And so when she made her, her vows in June in France... There was snow. And, and even though she didn't ask for it, she took it as a sign from God that it was just his little extra gift to her on this day, to let, let her know that he loved her. And she was open to receiving that and to believe that God cared enough about her to do that for her. So if the wrong solution is to not ask God for things, the right solution is what? Well, it's to get to the third stage of love. And the third stage of love is where we love God for his sake. And this is where the gratitude shown by uh, Naaman and, and the one leper who came back to Jesus is so important because in that, in that gratitude to God, it turns, it turns their attention away from themselves and turns it towards the Lord, and not just to him as, oh yeah, this is someone who can help me, but it turns their attention to his character. And so hopefully in time, for the leper and for, for Naaman, they got to that third stage of love, where they're not just grateful for what they received, but they want to praise God just because they realize how good he is, how loving he is. Not thinking about, gosh, if I pray for five hours today, what will he give me? but just because he's someone worth loving. That's the, that's the third stage of love. And if that's the third stage of love, to love God for his own sake, what's the fourth stage? Comes all the way back to the beginning. If the first stage is we love ourselves for our sake, second stage, we love God for our sake, third stage, we love God for his sake, in the fourth stage, we love God, we love ourselves for his sake. That I am someone that I want to care for and that I want to love because I'm loved. And I'm loved by the supremely good and loving person. And if that's how he thinks of me, then I have to think of myself and care for myself 
in that same way. And not only then for myself, but for those around me. Love your neighbor as yourself. And a self that realizes it is loved by God. St. Peter, in his first letter, has this beautiful line. He says, Knowing that you were ransomed from your feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. Purchased by the precious blood of Christ. That that's the measure of our worth, that you, we value things by how much we're, giving a, we're willing to give away to get them. And that, that is what God incarnate is willing to give away for us. And that leads to the love of neighbor. So St. Peter continues, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And so the thing that renews us, the thing that allows us to know how we are loved is the word that God speaks to us in our hearts. We hear it from the scriptures, but it's really the gift of faith that allows us to know and to experience the substance of that, the reality of that within. And when we know that, I think it's one of those things that we can't help but share. And that's how St. Paul's life went, from someone who persecuted the church to to being struck blind and, and realizing his own sinfulness. And from that point of blindness and sinfulness, not only being cured, but becoming an apostle. And so we hear him today say, the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I too bear with everything for the sake of those who are chosen. So his whole life then spent in giving it to others. And that's what, in a sense, in this life, how the fourth stage of love culminates. In not only loving God, but loving ourselves and loving our neighbors for God's sake. And of course, all of that all of that progression in love comes from God. That's the only place it does come from. So I wanted us to take a minute, to close your eyes, and I want you to take a minute to consider two things. First, where do you see yourself in these four stages of love? Where are you right now? And secondly, how is God trying to move you to that next stage?